0: This evening will be in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Good place to be. I love being in church. Love being around church people. Love to be around the Bible. Love to be around people who love Christ. I just love to be here. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful place to be. Can't think of any other place I'd rather be than the church house. Amen. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, We're, we'll start to read here. The Bible says, and he, that's Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for an opportunity to be here tonight. And Lord, use me as a vessel. And Lord, don't do anything to me, but do everything through me for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. First and foremost, I think this is a good way to, to have church. They went to a certain place on a certain day, and the Bible says gee, it, it, they opened up a book. They didn't open a guitar case. They didn't open a new idea. They opened the book, and they let God speak. I think that's a good way to have church then, and it's a good way to have church now. Just let God do His thing with His Word of God, and let it help people, and let it, let it help lift people up. And I want to show you something, this is one of the greatest messages that's ever preached at one of the most important times in in history, whether secular or spiritual or however you want to put it, and it is preached by one of the greatest preachers. If you look at verse 18 and 19 and 21, that is Jesus speaking. Jesus comes into the church house, and he says, I have been anointed, he says, I have been anointed to preach the gospel, he's reading Isaiah 61. He said, remember Isaiah 61? Isaiah 61 wasn't just about somebody, it was about me. Jesus Christ, God himself, walks this earth, opens the Bible one day at church, and he says, you know that verse about the anointed one? That's me. The anointed man was the Christ. The anointed one was the Messiah. And whenever, to to get anointed, there was three offices in the Bible. A prophet, priest, and a king would get anointed. And and a prophet, he he would bring us to God. A prophet in the Old Testament was one that was a foreteller. He would tell us what would happen, but he would bring the people to God. He would, he would speak with God directly, and he would tell the, the people, this is what you need to do. We need to, to get with God. You need to throw that away. You need to put away those idols. We need to chop down the high places. He would bring people to God. But then a priest always brought God to man, and that was the difference. The prophet brought God to us. The priest brings us to God. I'm sorry. That's the other way around. But a priest brings God to us through the sacrifices in the temple. Jesus not only brought God to us, he brings us to God because he's 100% man but 100% God. A holy God can't reach down to an unholy person, and an unholy person can't reach up to a holy God. So God himself, 100% man and 100% uh, God, can, he can reach down to a sinful man with his, with his flesh, even though he's not sinful, and he can reach up to a holy God. And he says, come together for our sakes. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, But have everlasting life the there's 25 words in that verse the first 12 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten that's what god did for us he gave his son the second half is what we do towards god we believe on what he has done for us the very middle word on the 13th word of that 25 word phrase is a capital s o n that's son that's jesus christ There it is. God's work, our work, he's in the middle pulling us together. He said, I've been anointed. What what a blessing that is. And he's a king. We we talked about it this morning. He has a kingdom. And don't get confused because in Revelation right now it says he's a prince. All a prince is is a king in waiting. Jesus has just not yet until Revelation around 11.15 takes that throne that's rightfully his. The devil's still running this world. Little G, God of this world. God's coming back. Every, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. He's just a prince because he's a king and waiting. He comes out and he says, I'm the anointed one. What an important, important message he's telling us. And it's an important person. We talked about him. God himself opens up his book and says for 4,000 years, 39 books of the Old Testament, all those books were about one person, and that one person is me, Christ Jesus. He stands up there as the greatest person. What if Jesus could come in and preach today? It would be wonderful. It would be wonderful. And then it's an important purpose. He says he's here to heal the brokenhearted. How many of us have emotional problems? How many have have distresses and struggles and trials going on? You got a prayer sheet, you know we do. Jesus is here to come and fix that. He's a remedy for our emotional distresses. And then he's here to release those that are captive. The sins change. Change. Uh, 2 Timothy, I think it's 2.12, It said that the devil has them ensnared. The lost people ensnared by, by his own ways. And his own, they're in blindness. They don't know where to go. And then it says he gives sight to the blind. Both physically and spiritually, he would do that. He can give you guidance. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Right, He tells us that there is a right way and a wrong way, and Jesus is the right way. He is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. What an important purpose. And then to set it liber- liberty. It means to liberate from the, the sin's chains, the guilt of sin, the shame of sin, the fear of sin, all of those things that sin had brought into this world. Jesus said, I am the one that can fix those issues. And if you look in the red letter you say or the 18 21 and 19 you say what a message Jesus is here Jesus is preaching an important message he's got an important mes- uh, purpose it's not for him it's for them it's for us but then when you see the other letters the response isn't that great the response is it, the ones in attendance It went over their heads and under their feet. It's not this Joseph's son. They missed it. They missed it. So many times we're in churches today where the Bible's being opened up. The preacher's been preaching something that can help us because it's not his opinions, but it's God's word. And we sit there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, and we miss the message. And I want to tell you tonight, don't miss the message. It can help you. The message Jesus had was going to help everyone in attendance, but they missed it. And they missed it for three important reasons. And I want to tell you three reasons tonight. They all center around one main reason, and we'll get to that at the end. But how could they miss such an important message by an important person with such an important purpose? How? First of all, they miss the message by getting complacent in their walk. They get complacent in their walk. Every day you got a choice. Wake up, serve yourself, or serve Jesus. Everything you do, your choices that you make, the music you listen to, the TV shows that you watch, the things you look at on your phone, the places you go, do they honor God or they do they honor yourself? You can't please both. Jesus said you are either with me or you are against me there's no middle ground and I say this because lost people they don't the Bible doesn't tell them to go to church they need Christ we're told to go to church we're to go out and preach the gospel to every living creature and the church isn't a building it's not an organization it's an organism it are those in Christ and they missed it by getting complacent in their wall one of the first ways is they get complacent and miss the message with their attendance? They're absent from church, the church building where Jesus was preaching. This is the Sabbath day. It says it was his custom. Every time the church doors open, Jesus had an opportunity to get up and he'd preach. He'd get up and he'd tell them about what God said. I think that would be a wonderful day. And no doubt, this day, only one day, in all of history, would Jesus get up and preach this message in Nazareth to these people? And some people were there last Saturday on the Sabbath, and some will be there the next Sabbath, but they were not there on this Sabbath. Their attendance—they missed the message. There, there are some that were here this morning, but are not here tonight, and I don't know their reasons. God knows their hearts, but they missed the message. And there's reasons Bible says that this is the day that we don't forsake the assembling of yourself it's gonna get harder to assemble the devil's gonna make it harder that however rich whichever way he, and method he uses whether it's government whether it's this whether it's that there's a reason God put that in there forsake not the assembling of yourselves some were not at church that day. It's custom that Jesus went to church that day, and I believe it's custom for a Christian to be at church every time the door's open. Every time the door's open. And uh, if you've got a revival you can go to at another church that's of like faith, and it's not interrupting your regular church service here, go to it. Get filled up. Get fed. Meet some other people. Get some help. Iron sharpeneth iron. Get some help. Be in church somewhere. We should be in church. You know, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We should love the church the same. You say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like to go to church. Jesus said he's the head, the church is the body. How can you love the head and hate the body? There's a problem there. There's a disconnect. 1 John says, we, they will know that we have passed from death unto life if we love the brethren. Do you love the brethren this evening? I'll tell you, I come in and see Brother Eric and, and he just he brightens my day. Brother Tiny's giving me a song. Amen. I wouldn't rather be, I would not want to be in any other place than church tonight. I got to go to work tomorrow in a secular environment, and I need all the help that I can get to walk a godly walk tomorrow on my job in an ungodly environment. I need a church house. Christ died for it. Acts 20, 28, it is purchased with God's own blood. You can take that out of your new Bibles, but it's still there. Only time God ever bled was when he was on the cross of Calvary, and it was Jesus himself because he is God. The church is the pillar and ground for the truth. You know why it's so shocking? You hear so many lies on the TV, and you come in here and you get the truth preached and the Bible preached. You haven't heard truth all week. Vance Havner said, it'll charge you up. If you ever touch a battery for just a second, it'll shock you. But you get a hold of it for a while, it'll charge you up. And that's what we need. We need to get charged up. And it's for the perfecting of the saints, edifying one another, uh, getting, getting people. Everybody's got a spiritual gift in here. And we should be encouraging one another and helping one another. And they missed the service and they missed those important things. And you know what else? They They missed the blessing. That's the important thing. You can watch it on Facebook. You can watch it on the computer. I had to do it for a month. I had a good time. I watched church for like four hours. I'd catch all the time zones of the good churches. I'd watch ours. I'd go back an hour and watch this one, and then I'd watch this one. I had a good time, but you know what? It's different sitting on your couch. It's different. I don't get amens from no one, I don't. and uh, some places I don't get them at all, and I, it's all good. I'm just preaching, but anyway... Uh, you get you sit on the couch, I don't have someone praying with me at the altar. I don't have someone giving me a song. I don't so, have somebody saying you're being a blessing. I, I, I got somebody saying, I need some prayers, would you pray with me? I didn't get that, sitting on the couch. Pastor didn't come and see me. I'm sure he would have if it was possible. But that's not what, the way God designed it. it. He designed it to be assembly of believers. And uh, I tell you right now, there's been days... When Mason was a little young, and he was real young, he got real sick, and my, my wife couldn't come to church that night. And I came to church, and I, I think it was Brother Ruel, Denver and Dallas. He's from the Philippines. First time coming from the Philippines over to the United States. Never preached with a, with a, with a uh, PA system or anything else. He preached so loud, everything popped and crackled. I thought we were going to go to Best Buy afterwards. And he preached. I was there. My wife wasn't there. And uh, I was there, and he preached a message on 1 Kings 17. There's a famine and drought in land, and God told Elijah to go down to the brook of Cherith, and he was going to get fed by ravens, and he's going to drink out of that brook. And then the Bible says that his brook dried up. And his message, I'll never forget it, was what do you do when the brook dries up? Six months later, I get that phone call. My dad's got cancer. And you know what I thought? What do you do when the brook dries up? If I would have missed that service. I would have missed that blessing. And I can tell you, time and time and time again, I come in with something prepared for the teenagers or, or for church, or I have my heart ready for something, and I come in and God hits you out of left field and gives you something you weren't even looking for that helps you on your walk and helps you in your daily life. And I'm telling you, you got to be here. you miss the service. You'll miss the blessing. But then again, not only did they miss it, being complacent with their attendance, but with their attention. They were in the church, but they were not at church. Amen? There's many of them. If you've ever got a chance to stand where we stand, my goodness, you will see bored faces. You'll see watching the clock, uninterested, cold. I mean, you could walk a dairy cow down here, and it'd be popsicles by the time you get to the altar. They're distracted, preoccupied. They're worried about when I can get to this or that not worried about what God's doing now. They're, they're, they're out of it. And you know what? We tell our kids, you can't have any sweets until you eat your meal. You've got to eat your steak and your potatoes and your baked beans and your, and your green beans. Greens, you got to have some greens, right? Before you can have those lollipops. Because you know what happens when you eat that lollipop or that candy before you eat your meal? It'll spoil that meal. And what happens is we walk out of the church house on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. We close our Bible, eat the junk food of this world. Amen. And then when you come in here, the truth hurts. The preacher's mean. I don't want to hear it. I've got other things to do. But you're living in a squalor. I, I I got stuck behind some traffic one time. I was working out of town. On a Friday night, and I'm trying to get through traffic, and I'm thinking, man, what is going on? There must be a parade or something. It was a line going into the ABC liquor store. And you know what? People go to that. People go to this. And I, as I drove by, it caught my mind. I said, what's ABC stand for? I know they put it that way for the phone book so you can find it quick. But another bad choice. You know what? People are looking for stuff. People are looking in this world for Jesus Christ and you know what they make another bad choice I gave a gospel track to a guy walking out of a gas station the other day not too long ago he has a gospel track in his hand I didn't see his other hand he has a lottery ticket and there it is what's gonna be your choice where are you going track goes in the truck scratch 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 you know what you just wasted your money for one two if you would have got that money it wouldn't get you to heaven It'd probably make you more miserable if you ever see the results on people that win the lottery. It's never good. Money's a snare. Lack of interest. Laodicean age. Look at that. Lukewarm. They are in need of nothing. They have everything. They've got the crowds. They've got the music. They've got everything. But it says Jesus stands on the outside and knocks. I'd rather have nothing of this world and only have Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's a lack of interest. We need church. We need to be in church. We, we're not going to have many more Father's Days that are good Father's Days if we don't have church. If we don't have men in here trying to be good, godly fathers, women trying to be good, godly mothers, and good, godly mothers teach, and good, godly fathers teaching their children to be good, godly children. We can't do it without that. They missed it because they got, they got complacent in their walk they missed it jesus is preaching and anyone that's taught a sunday school this should be a blessing to you because if jesus will show up and no one will listen you keep doing what you're doing they're probably not going to listen to you either amen and then it says is not this joseph's son they missed it because they became critical with their words critical It means inclined to find fault or to judge with severity, often too too readily. How did they become so critical? He is Jesus. He's born of a virgin. He's here. He just said, I'm here. And and, and notice what it says in verse uh, 22. Let's see, where are we going? We're going to be 20. Jesus closed the book, gave it again to the minister and sat down in the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Notice that all, all of them. Everyone at this church service looked up and said, boy, there's been a lot of people read the Bible, but that guy really believes it. Probably because he wrote it, he knows all about it. And then, verse 22, they said, all were amazed, but they said. All were amazed, but they said. Remember in Numbers 15, I believe it is, where the 12 spies go over, two came back and said, boy, it's a land of grapes, and we've got all this, it's the land of promise. Ten, all, all said, boy, it was a great, great, great place. But ten, the other, the other ten said, look at this. He goes, wait a minute. He said, they, and you know what? They ended up making all of Israel walk in the desert for 40 years. Should have been an 11-year journey. All were there, but they made the mistake. All were here in this church service, but they made the mistake of being critical. They all wondered. In Matthew 13, 55 through 57, it says they were offended in him. That means to be disple- displeased and disagree with him on what he said. They were offended in him. It didn't meet their expectation. He's a carpenter, not a king. Who do you think he is? He was born in Nazareth. Has any good thing came out of Nazareth? Right? They were looking, they called him the son of fornication. He's an illegitimate child. How can he be Christ? And you'll see what happens. In in James 3, 6, we see the member. James 3, 6, And the tongue is of fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. What's the most dangerous church member in here? The one you walk in that's in between your teeth and in your mouth. That's the most dangerous member that James says. He said that member, he said it defileth the whole body. And I don't don't doubt that he's talking about the whole body of Christ. And one member, that is the one member that we all have power to control. And one member we must always keep our eye on. And why did they speak from where they spoke from? Why did they say, is not this Joseph's son? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Their heart, heart was rotten, so their speak was, speech was rotten. Garbage in, garbage out. Ecclesiastes 10.11 10, says, Surely a serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. You don't have to entice a snake to bite you, and you don't have to entice some spe- people to speak negatively about someone else. You don't have to entice them. A babbler, that's idle talk. It does nothing. It just rolls, and it just, they, they can't help it. They just talk. All of them are amazed. Wow, what a wonderful message. The Messiah is here. Is not this Joseph's son? A wet blanket on the truth. All were in wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R, and then they all wondered, W a n d r because of a few people and what they said how many people are not in church today because they sit here and they, they listen to the preaching they get in the car they talk to their spouse can you believe the preacher said that would you believe he would say that he's reading my mail he's doing this and the person oh this and this and this the children they grow up thinking they don't ever listen to the preacher nobody in the church is any good They're all liars. They're all a bunch of misfits, which we are, amen, and we're saved by the grace of God. But they'll they'll not go to church because of that. They'll not go to church when they get a, why should I go to church when it's so bad? James 1.19, here's some rules for it. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. God gave us eyelids, close our eyes. God gave us a mouth to keep our tongue in there. But God did not give us gates on our ears, swift to listen, slow to speak. And then, somebody said one time, great minds, they'll talk about ideas. Good minds will talk about things and stuff. Weak minds always talk about people. Somebody once said, keep your words sweet because you may have to eat them. That's good amen there's no need for a church house to be sitting around gossiping about other bitterness bitterness is you'll read it in hebrews it'll spring up and it'll defile many and and bitterness shows up with a critical spirit and bitterness shows up with the words always and never brother chuck never lets me sing a solo pastor moon always lets so and so pray Always, never, minimizes the sins of themselves, but maximizes the sins of others. We've got to be careful what we say, where we say it, and who to say it to. Not only they missed it because they became, became critical with their words, they missed it because they had become calloused in their ways. Look over here in Luke 4 and 23. We're going to read through 30, and I want you to see this. Jesus is going to speak again, and he saith unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, Save unto Sarepta, city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. Oh, man, that should get a good response. There's going to be an altar call. And they all in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up. We're getting somewhere. And thrust him out of the city, led him into the brow of the hill, whereon the city was built. And they might cast him head down headlong, but he went passing through the midst of them and went his way. And you know what? He gives us examples here. One, a good example of Capernaum, Matthew 4:16 says, The people which sat in darkness, this is Capernaum, saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has sprung up. Great light was given to Capernaum. Jesus himself, the light of the world, walked in Capernaum. A great light was shown. Matthew 8.10, a centurion has a servant that's sick. He says, Jesus, will you come in healing? Jesus said, I'm on the way. I'll come and see him. He says, no, just speak the word. And let me tell you, today it's the same. The word of God is just as powerful as his presence. And Jesus says, he says, I've not found such great faith. There's great works in Capernaum. Uh, oh, my God, who ate the pizza? There's great faith in Capernaum. And then Jesus is going to have to rebuke them a little bit later because they are going to fall. But at this time, Matthew eleven twenty three, 23, he says that there was mighty works done, a great light is shown, a great, great faith responds to it, and great works were done in Capernaum. So great so that if those same works were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, God wouldn't have rained down fire and brimstone. But then, he shows the past examples. He says there was in Israel in the days of Elijah Elijah, that the heaven was shut up. Remember, there was a great famine throughout the land. The Bible says in the Old Testament to Israel, they had earthly blessings. We have spiritual, so that uh, claim it and name it in the prosperity gospel doesn't go towards the church this day. It's a lie of the devil. That we have our spiritual blessings there in heaven. But he told Israel, he said, blessings, he said obedience equals blessings, curses, cursings, uh, d- disobedience leads cursings. Right? So we have that. He's talking about there's a famine in the land. How do you get a famine in the land? They d- Israel had disobeyed God, started worshiping idols. God took that blessing of rain away. And when you don't have rain, you have a drought. And when you have a drought, you don't have food, and you have a famine. He says, there were unbelievers in the land of Israel, and God had to take his great light and shine it into a Gentile city called Sidon. Sidon was also called Zidon, and Jezebel was a Zidonian, and that was a wicked place. But he found a little widow lady, if you look back, in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 8 through 16, he said, thy God. He, he, She knew who God was. In this one town, she said, let me bake a cake and me and my son will die. And God looked down and sent his prophet over there to save him because there was more faith in her house than all of Israel combined. And he looks over at Nazareth and he goes, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. You don't want to accept me here. I'll go somewhere else. God chose to go where faith would be found, and then he goes to the great enemies of Israel, he goes to Syria, Syria was never a kind neighbor to Israel, but there was a leper there, his name was Naaman, he was a mighty man, 2 Kings chapter 5, and he goes and sees Elisha, jumps into the Jordan, goes down seven times, the seventh time he comes up, uh, skin like a baby. And he believed God. God had that little maid in 2 Kings 5, unnamed, but, but known to God. God looks down, puts her in holy writ, and she says, I know a prophet that can heal him. God found some faith in Syria. God found some faith in Sidon. But God could not find faith in Nazareth. The same light was shown in Nazareth. But the, but the, but the light was rejected, and no faith was found, so no great works. We're done. Jesus marvels a couple times in the Bible. One, he marvels in Matthew eight ten about the great faith in Capernaum, and then in Mark chapter six and verse six, he marvels. He marvels at the unbelief in Nazareth. It says in Matthew, Mark, i mean, Mark six verse six—and he, Jesus, marvelled because of their unbelief. He marvels at great faith. And he marvels at the unbelief. They were not willing to allow the truth to change them, so they were going to change the truth. It says it right there in verse 25, but I tell you the truth. And their response was to stand up, thrust him out of the city, throw him over a cliff. One, they had the wrong attitude. They spurned the truth. They they kicked against it. I don't want to hear it comes from their hearts and their minds, and, the, and, and it comes from pride. It comes from sin. It's straight from the depths of hell that pride is. came from the wrong attitude, and then it led to the wrong actions. It started in their heart. All sin starts on the inside before it's ever an outward sin. Before adultery is ever created in a marriage, that person has already thought about it in their heart. Before someone ever goes out and steals something, and actually physically takes it from somewhere that, it doesn't, that they haven't paid for and it doesn't belong to them, they have committed that sin in their heart. That's what the Bible says. They had the wrong actions. Their inward feelings would, would finally bubble up and there'd be an outward action. And then the wrong result. Instead of rejoicing in the truth that was spoke of, they tried to silence the truth by throwing it over the cliff. Boy, how are we in this American day and age? of do as you feel and do as you say. Sensual is what Jude says. Of the devil, not spiritual. Hide the truth and suppress it. But let me tell you, the truth never looks for a fight, but it always finds one. Always has and always will. They were disturbed by the truth, so they distanced themselves from the truth, and then they tried to destroy the truth. But look, their efforts were denied. Do you, look, look, you got Luke 4, do you have Luke 5 in your Bible? Does the New Testament stop at Luke 4 on that verse? No, it does not. No, it does not. Luke 4 isn't the last chapter in this gospel in your Bible. The truth is like a lion, Spurgeon said. Whoever heard of defending a lion, just turn it loose and it will defend itself. They can, they can spurn him, they can, they, can, they, can, they can try to get rid of it, they can try to silence the truth, but it's still here. Proverbs 29.1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without uh, remedy. You know why it's hard to lead people to the Lord that's heard the gospel? They've hardened their neck to the gospel. they harden hardened their hearts to the Holy Spirit's wooing of their hearts. They've hardened their necks. Nazareth a- 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 a had hardened their hearts to the truth. God himself in the flesh preached the greatest message for the greatest purpose in the greatest time, and they tried to throw him over the cliff. What a day and age. You tell somebody, you can't tell people nowadays that God loves them because God loves everybody, right? But you tell somebody that Jesus saves. Jesus cares for you. Jesus died for you. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to go to a devil's hell. Jesus paid it all for you. You don't have to go. They say, get away from me. I don't hear you. You go pray somewhere, pray in God's name, but you can't pray in Jesus. They don't want to hear the truth. Unbelief leads to rebellion and disobedience to god's word and it leads to immorality and anarchy in the nation It's what happens it's what happens unbelief rebellion immorality anarchy they miss the message and i want to challenge the church tonight don't miss the message when the preachers here or special speakers here if you didn't make it this morning we had somebody from mozambique he had a burden You could tell he had a burden. He wasn't going there because it was a great vacation. He wasn't wasn't a missionary to the Cayman Islands, amen? And there's some that probably need to go there. I'm not making light of it, but he, he had a burden for some dark parts in Africa. If you wouldn't have been here this morning, you would have missed the message. You would have missed it. You might have got some help. It helped me, amen? It helped me. Don't miss the message by being complacent In your walk, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And June 12th, the next year, there's going to be some people that are here tonight that won't be here then because they missed the message. They missed. They got complacent. They let people talk. They let people get critical with their words we got to be careful what we say. We not, must not be so calloused that the truth itself can't get down in us. If we ever get to a place where God can't help us, we're in a bad place. We're in the worst place. Let God help you. Let, let, preach the word in season, out of season, rebuke. Uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Rebuking ain't a good thing, but it's a helpful thing. It's a helpful thing. Don't miss it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. We're going to have an an altar call tonight. Let God just have his way. Heavenly Father, we love you and I thank you for an opportunity to be here tonight. And we pray for the pastors. He's away. I pray that you you just uh, bring him back at the next appointed time all refreshed and and ready to go and we thank you for everyone that's here tonight and lord if there's there's something in our life i pray that you search our hearts tonight put your finger on it and help us in jesus name amen